going to five start weekly. Atlanta United have made their first edition of the offseason. Will it tread on Julian Gressel's spot in the lineup? We discuss all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show of Five Track Fam. I'm AJ. This is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by The Crossing, a family-owned traditional steakhouse located in historic downtown Norcross in the old train depot, serving mouth-watering steaks, seafood, and more with the quality of a fine dining establishment complemented by a casual setting. So guys and gals, let's catch up on the news. And first up on the docket is the new addition for the Five Stripes. It is Brooks Lennon from Rail Salt Lake. We gave them $300,000 in allocation money, $150,000 in TAM, and uh, it seems like a pretty good deal for a defender slash winger that uh, could play a large part on our wings on the right or the left. Yeah, he plays both fullback positions, can play both wing positions, and I guess wing back as well, because if you can play forward and back, you probably can play in the middle, one would imagine. He came through Liverpool's academy, and yeah. he's been pretty decent for RSL. Um Retired RSL keeper, why did I just forget his Nick name? Romando. Nick Romando. Nick there we go, is talking really highly of him. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good. It's a position that you need to depth at, especially if you can sign a player that can play on both the right and the left. It's really nice to have. Mm -hmm. And again, he's a younger player and can play all those positions. So I think it's a good signing for Atlanta United. And at the end right. of the day, 300000 allocation, not that much money. Right, especially how much we've received in maybe even the Donovan Nagby trade and other things as well. Yeah, we have we have some, uh, some allocation money. Money lying around to you know kind of really shore up uh, the depth in the squad and so is he a depth player or is he a starter I think it will remain to be seen but I think he will push uh, the guys on the team for the starting roles kind of maybe be in that more kind of Emerson Heinemann kind of uh, first year kind of a role where uh, you know if he does play well and he warrants more playing time then he'll continue to get it uh, and clearly Frank DeBoer likes him and so you know that's uh, he's brought him in in that sense. Uh, now, he's kind of a player that has a really good cross on him, can beat a guy on the dribble. Um, now, there have been some maybe uh, criticisms of uh, and just seeing from the Ralph Sale like, fans that might have been salty uh, that Defender might have been a little bit generous. We'll see. Uh, but I think, you know, when you have a defender as a coach or a former defender as a coach that has won uh, numerous titles, uh, you know, maybe he could teach him a little, you know, trick or two uh, to defend the wings as well. So, you know, uh, I think it's a, a very, very strong addition to the team that really will push a lot of the guys that are incumbents for places. Well, so. he's, a, he's a player in MLS that can start games. I think the most important yeah. thing that we saw last year is having depth at the club. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have a guy like that can so give much. you depth at both positions, like I said earlier, left back and right back. And Atlanta United wants to be more attacking. So if you have a guy who is more attacking, if you look at, say, maybe a Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's defending might not be the best in the world, but he's incredible going forward because Liverpool are always in the front foot. Atlanta editor usually on the front foot, especially at home, so it makes sense to have an attacking type player mm -hmm. that can get in and add something to your attack, especially against a team that's bunkering. So I think it's a good addition, like we said, and mm -hmm. again, not for not a lot of money, but hey, it's the first signing of the offseason. Mm -hmm. Kind of came out of nowhere. Daniel dropped us a little tease, as he always does. Yes, imagine a new signing, and then, you know, of course, uh, it's a Beatles reference in terms of, you know, John Lennon. But um, yeah, and he's 22 years old, you know, very young guy, ha already having pretty much three years of experience experience 
that is really uh, really quite handy, I think. And so uh, I think RSL does own a little bit of the sell-on fee if we were able to sell him on. But all in all, I mean, just a very solid move, I think. And, you know, something that uh, Carlos Bocanegra has said that he's a, a big one for the future for Atlanta United. So, uh, you know, I think uh, it's someone that we can hopefully look forward to uh, producing for us for some years to come. But uh, next up is that Larry is back. And that's always a great thing. He's a guy that has been a rock at our, uh, you know, midfield and our defense at times. Uh, just a guy that's, I mean, cosmic professional and a guy that really holds our kind of attack together in a sense because, you know, he's that guy that will hold it down uh, in the middle, will pretty much, uh, you know, not allow us to be counterattacked as easily as uh, maybe other times when, other, you know, other players are in there. Uh, and we actually score a lot of goals when he's actually in the squad. I think there was a stat out there uh, today. Uh, maybe I'll post it in the link below. But... Yeah, I mean, a, a great guy that uh, I think we sorely need that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's been a big part of our, our first three years. Absolutely. You're going to struggle to find veterans that can do what he does. I think his minutes will probably decline a little bit more mm -hmm. again, but he gives you that, that veteran presence that you need in the locker room. Everyone likes him. They appreciate his presence of humor. And like you said, he does a job. I think he's probably going to be the captain next year as well. Although again, he might not play as much, but he will probably be the main captain whenever he plays. He'll wear the armband. I think it's a good signing. I don't know what the money on it is, but I imagine it's probably less than his last till it's kind of more this one year rolling deal for these veterans and you know it doesn't hurt to have a player of his you know experience and, and veteran you know presence in the side so we'll see what happens but I'm glad that we kept him because it always means we have depth at another spot so. exactly and yeah I mean the fact that he has that utility that's really the uh, the total football that we want is you know him being able to slide into any spot so it's fantastic but um, yeah and so uh, another piece of news looking forward to in 2020 is the home opener has been announced. It's against FC Cincy, and again. yeah, again, and uh, it's on March 7th. So hopefully, it's not a repeat of that score line, and hopefully, it's it a much a more positive one. More fast. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have of, like less than 20% possession too. Didn't we have just yeah. like a dumb number of possession, like 70 something percent? Or? We just couldn't find the back of the net and we couldn't really muster up really some really just general chances just in bad. that match. But uh, hopefully it's a flip of uh, that type of match this time around. But uh, we also are part of Nashville SC's and Chicago, Chicago Fire FC's uh, also home openers. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that's, yeah, exactly. Chicago Fire. That rebrand has gone so well. Yeah. It's if, great. If you haven't read the uh, the comments on Chicago, Chicago Fire, I can't, I don't know why I can't say it because maybe they don't even know their own identity. But <laughs> Chicago Fire FC, wow. I mean, that is a dumpster fire of uh, just marketing. It is wow. I think the name is okay, <laughs> but just when you look at the badge and everything, yeah. it's just, it ain't good. It ain't good. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm actually for them moving to Soldier Field because where they were, it was just horrendous. And that's, you know, you know, you can get around in Chicago a lot easier to Soldier Field. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So, uh, anyway, uh, the also MLS conference alignments have been announced and or realignments. And it is very interesting. Nashville SC is in the West. Uh, one that was kind of pipped to be maybe a rival for Atlanta United by MLS. 
it is what it is maybe in that sense, but of course Inter-Miami is uh, in the East. But it is, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just one year, maybe it's not a big deal, and it's really, you know, no harm done in the grand scheme of things. Well, but. it better only be one year because this is the closest team to Atlanta. They're four hours away and we're only gonna play them one time a season. I think a lot of people have said that, okay, hey, when Austin comes in, they'll kick him back to the East. But it's like, well, Charlotte's getting announced. We're recording this on Thursday, by the way. And it seems likely that Charlotte's either gonna be announced tomorrow, preliminary, in a preliminary way, or at some point in time next week. But basically it looks like Charlotte's gonna be coming in, which. I'm which, fine with That's a rumor though. So, no, it so. looks pretty strong that it's gonna happen. I'm fine with it. I hope it does happen because then it will be two teams within four hours away. But hey, Nashville, closest team to us. They're in Tennessee, in the West. The, every single time they have to travel is going to be far. And even, I mean, you're gonna have to wait for, is... for the other teams to come in. So Austin will have to come in and then someone else, Sacramento or St. Louis or whatever, and then move them back East. And if they never move Nashville East, I have a big problem because Nashville should be in the East and we should play them twice every year. Just like we should play Charlotte, but it's annoying, whatever. It's yeah. just, we play them one time at the beginning of the season and then we won't see them again for a whole other year unless you get them in like the US Open Cup or something. Sure, right. And it very well could be, because I mean, you know, usually they have geographically close teams in the US Open Cup, so it very well could be. But um, yeah, it, it is a little bit uh, a little bit sad maybe for the people that want a good away trip. That's mainly, I think, the crux of it is, uh, yeah, it just takes away a good away day. And, you know, there's it's like one. If they're in the uh, West next year, that means we won't be able to go away again to Nashville until 2021 at yeah. the earliest. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hopefully that's all rectified in the coming years. But it is what it is for this year anyway. But uh, on to Julian Gressel and his contract status. Uh, it is still currently, yes, he's not getting the contract that he desires. LA United have stated that, yes, he is a priority. But, uh, yeah, per a Dirty South Soccer Toyota Football article, uh, pretty much mentioning a little bit about, you know, just how uh, you know valuable he has been, and I think most people agree that he has been a pretty elite player in MLS, especially double-digit double assists in multiple years. Um, I mean, you know, just a haul of goals plus assists in uh, three successive years of 14, 15, and 17. Um, I mean, it's just like he's a guy that deserves a raise, but is he going to get one in the MLS salary structure? Because it really just kind of puts down guys that kind of go through the Super Draft and just kind of uh, limits how much they can make. Of course, Miles Robinson was able to uh, kind of break that and was able to get his raise that he wanted. But yeah, Julian Gressel, um, you know, maybe it is to a point where it might be too expensive in a sense to put more eggs in that basket uh, and then maybe kind of subtract from other parts of the squad and kind of uh, in a consequence. So, you know, will he, uh, you know, get that contract? That is the, you know, kind of question we'll be waiting. Well, he had the quote when he was speaking recently, and I believe it was an interview with The Athletic, where he said, the longer this goes, the angrier the matter and the more disappointed I think I'll get. And I think that, like, I love Julian Gressel. I think a lot of Atlanta United fans do love Julian Gressel. You know, I think for the newer soccer fans, this is definitely going to be kind of like one of those things where you're kind of torn apart by it a little bit and it hurts you because you just want to know why it doesn't get done. I think for people who have been around longer and have watched, you know, for me, yeah, being a soccer fan for 15 plus years, you have these things happen sometimes. MLS is weird though, because it's not like 
you know, if I had a player at Man United that I wanted to resign, like say an Andrew Herrera, and it's like, hey, we want to give you this much money, and then PSG comes in and offers a stupid amount of money. It's not about how much money we can offer. It's about how much money we're allowed to offer based upon what the rules of the league are. And I think Julian Gressel is justified to getting a new contract. The problem is, is that what he's asking for, I don't think Atlanta United are allowed to pay him what he wants. And yes, he says that Atlanta United have the money, because he mentioned it in the same article, but at the same time, we don't know what A, that money is going to be worth within the new CBA, or B, if there's a way we can structure that within his contract that makes everything else work out for us. So I think it's both people are right. He does deserve a new contract, but at the same time, I disagree with him and his stance toward the club, thinking that it's the club intentionally not giving him this contract, yeah. where it's more of what the club is able to do due to what MLS says. Yeah, and what Tioto Football is saying in his article is, in his opinion, he... Gressel probably needs to hold out, maybe say that I need to go to Europe, uh, or I feel like I'm going to go to Europe, and so that, you know, LA United do offer him uh, the contract that he desires. Maybe it's that, but is it uh, the, you know, best thing for LA United, which I think at the end of the day, that's what I think fans should really look out for the most, because, you know, when you have, if you have a team that suffers because of a large contract that, uh, you know, if there is some sort of circumstance that some person is underperforming the contract, then it becomes a problem for the larger roster as a whole. And so, uh, but that's to prognosticate that Julian Gressel won't continue to be as productive as he is. But um, you and it's know. hard to say because he's improved every single year. Exactly. And he continues to show his flexibility, and it's like he's. I think I want to make it clear. I want Julian Russell on Atlanta mm -hmm. United. I want him to get re-signed. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those frustrating things where, not like I said, neither side is wrong, and they're just restricted by this just silly, really overly complicated salary structure that right. Major League Soccer has in place. Right. But I mean, let's look at uh, all the the hands on the or the all the cards on the table. I mean, so really. Uh, it is difficult to maybe see him in different types of formations other than a 3-5-2 in a 4-3-3. Um, it really doesn't exactly um, you know fit his best strengths in a, in a sense because uh, you know he Frank DeBoer probably desires some uh, wingers that have a little bit more pace. So there is a little bit of that. If he is played in centrally, maybe his touch. Uh, and his control is not maybe where we desire it as well. Um, and then right back wise, if he were to play there, maybe defensively he might be caught out a good bit. And so there is just a, you know, at right wing back, it's like a perfect position for him. And so that's really, yes, where we were playing some of our best ball when he was there because he just feeds Joseph and that's beautiful. But, um, you know, maybe there is something that, at the end of the day, Frank DeBoer, you know, that flexibility, if you have a guy that sits more, and if he is sat more, then can we justify paying him as much? And there is just a, oh, this is a very complicated situation. It comes down to, like you said, what, what system the team wants to play. Yeah. If the team's like, hey, we, we want to keep doing this 3-5-2, this is the system we want to run, this is what mm -hmm. we want to sign players around to build, then yeah, it, makes sense, to, yeah sure. it makes sense to give them that money. But if Frank DeBoer's like, look, I want to play four at the back, then mm -hmm. it's just like, now you're changing things. You want to invest in another central midfielder or another out-and-out out winger. Yeah. And that's where things kind of get interesting. Yeah, it's going to be pretty tricky uh, going forward, but, you know, it's, this might be one of those kind of contract sagas that go on for a while. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it gets kind of squared away soon. But uh, It's the first time we've had one of these. Yeah, it so is. So it's interesting. It really is. But, um, yeah, so... 
Moving on from that, congrats to Ezekiel Barco for making number two of the MLS 22 under 22. Uh, the first guy is Diego Rossi and uh, of LAFC. Uh, I think it makes sense in uh, the larger sense. Yes, okay. Ezekiel Barco didn't play a ton this year, but I think when you saw him play for Argentina, uh, for the U19s, yeah, he was balling out. Uh, when you saw him play early on in the season, yes, he was balling out. Uh, okay, early or later on in the season, maybe he wasn't able to really get uh, as much playing time because of the injury and um, yeah, a little bit of his kind of productiveness was a little bit, a little bit less. Uh, but you can see the potential. He's still only 20 years old. I, I think it makes sense that he's number two in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and just under Adiro Rossi, who was really, yeah, he was very productive this year. Absolutely. And I think this kind of ties in perfectly. Him being number two ties into these transformers that keep popping up around him right now. Right. Because he's been linked to a few more clubs. Right. Uh, so previously he had been linked to a ton of clubs. Uh, but this, uh, this week, I mean, per Calcio Mercado, who... They're okay. They're they're not the the most trustworthy, but uh, well, heck, at least they're not Correo <laughs> del Sport. Yeah, exactly. But Roma and Inter Milan uh, are reportedly interested in him and would like to make a move for him in the summer, reportedly. So you know, a, a lot of really kind of giant clubs are kind of you know eyeing him and seeing. Uh, you know, what he brings. And I think, yeah, I mean, you know, in Italy, he'd probably do quite well. But, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> but it's one of those things where it's just very unlikely, I feel like, uh, that it's going to be a January move because of the sell-on fee, of course. And then in the summer, like, are we really going to handcuff ourselves that much and sell him then? It's just, it, okay, these rumors can happen all, all day long. They have to blow us away probably for a us to actually say yes. I think it also really depends on what happens with Ezekiel Barco because I think if Ezekiel Barco comes out and plays the first six months of the, or the first six months of the year so or I guess five really so if he comes out is balling out Champions League in February, March, April, May, June and he's playing really 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 well that's what's going to get a European club to bid for them because at the end of the day yes Miguel Almiron moved in January that is not when clubs in Europe prefer to make big money signings. They prefer to make them in the summer so they can go through a full training camp, get fully integrated with the squad, with the team, with the area they'll be living in. So if Ezekiel Barco comes out and is having an incredible season, possibly double digit goals and assists by halfway through the season, which I think is possible for Ezekiel Barco if he can play up to his potential, mm -hmm. then Atlantia is not going to have much of a choice in the matter, I don't think, because mm -hmm. We've talked about it before, how NTI knows its place in the food chain of global clubs. And if you have a Roma or an Intercommit, Ezekiel Barco is going to want to leave. That is his goal. His goal has always been to Europe. And I think that, yes, it would put Atlantian in a bind. But if Ezekiel Barco is like, look, this is my chance. This is what you promised me. The sell-on fee is now gone. And they're coming in with, you know, 20, 20 plus million rising to possibly 30 with incentives, which if he's putting up those numbers, I think you could expect, you're not gonna say no to that. Yes, it's frustrating, but also you have to think that the club knows that this is something that was eventually going to happen. And you have to trust that the club also will have people lined up to come in and take that spot. Yes, it's difficult to replace a DP middle of the season, but you have to trust that that's what the club is looking at. Because at the end of the day, more often than not, if Atlantean added hits on prospects that are looking to move to Europe, 
The clubs will want them to move in the summer, not in the winter, which unfortunately hurts you because it's the middle of the season. Right, and it's just how MLS is set up. But uh, he also, uh, Ezequiel Barco, talked with uh, South American media on Fox Argentina, and he said that he would be open to looking at these offers uh, with his agent and seeing you know, what they actually are. And so, I mean, you know, at least he is at you know, as we know, is interested and, uh, you know, he would be open to it. But, uh, you know, I think it, it is a kind of a combination of if he, like, double digits assists and goals or whatever, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season, if that is possible. I think it was, if it, it's even a thing where he, you know, wins us the Champions League and, you know, there's, you know, a kind of clear cut, like, he was the man of the match for a lot of them, uh, then, I mean, he would have delivered us pretty much Almost, uh, you know, every ch trophy that we could possibly get, maybe sans the support shield, if he did if, make that move. If he won the Champions League, I would not be upset at all if he exactly. left in the summer and be like, you know what? The then season's a, already good for me, right. so my guy, you do what you gotta do. Right. Then it's a Mickey, you know, clap him off. Clap type him of, off. You yeah. did your job. Have a, have a nice. Exactly. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting with Barco, but I think uh, right now it's just a little early for yes, all of that. But, uh, yeah, so some news from the past week since we were not able to uh, record one last week because of Thanksgiving. Uh, so Mikey Ambrose has caught on with Paul McDonough again. Uh, in Orlando, Inter Atlanta, yeah. now Inter, Inter Miami. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, he clearly has an affinity for Mikey Ambrose. Uh, I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, a very solid uh, kind of depth piece at uh, Defender. And so I think... You know why not for them, but uh, yeah, I mean you know you know best of luck to him. He's already getting some kind of uh, you know interactions with David Beckham on social media, so I mean I'm I'm sure he's fine. He's, he's happy. fine. I mean it's <laughs> he'll be okay. Exactly. But um, so also uh, a piece of news that came out uh, during last week was that the Arthur M. Blank Foundation, or Sports and Entertainment rather, uh, and LA United have invested two million into Scottish side Aberdeen FC. Uh, and Darren Eel said that quote. We focus quite a lot on South America. We've had some great successes in terms of players coming in. Obviously, in Scotland, Aberdeen are on the ground in the UK, so it is helping us get intelligence on the European market. I think, yeah, the you know more markets that you're part of and that you can scout uh, in a more heavily kind of um, you know in-depth type of uh, way, it is kind of very useful. I feel like to get more and more players, and especially, I think it was aided by that John Gallagher uh, loan as well. And I think, uh, yeah, the, the guy Dave uh, Cormack was also a guy that has been hanging around in Atlanta as well. He lives here. Yeah. And Season so, ticket holder to Atlanta United. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of information shared back and forth. Um, I think it's a it's a good thing for sure, I think. but uh, I think what's interesting is um, a lot of Atlanta United fans, I think, have expressed a slight bit of concern because it may seem like Atlanta United is moving away from mm -hmm. that South American market. And even Darren Eel said, we focus quite a lot on South America, like you said. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that. But we're not the only club in MLS that's doing that mm -hmm. now. A lot of clubs are looking at South America. They learn from us. And yeah. that's not to say that we still can't go and find a good player in South America. That is possible. But not a lot of clubs have a worldwide scouting network. And that's something that Atlanta is trying to do is expand its scouting network. So, hey, if we can say that maybe a guy in South America can get through, maybe a guy in England who's looking at it or Scotland is like, look, I could work my way through the Scottish League, but I'm not going to maybe get the playing time at this club and can move to Atlanta United, play well, know that it's going to get highlighted, and then move back. 
who says that it's just for South Americans that that can work for? So I think Atlantean is being smart here, trying to grow their global footprint, trying to get, you know, grow their scouting network, and that can only bring good things in my opinion. Right, and so this segues perfectly into how John Gallagher, of previously of LAI2, who hasn't even played an MLS minute, uh, yeah, I mean, he is starting for them against one of their big rivals in Rangers. I mean, that is a pretty massive game. I'm, not, I'm undercutting that maybe even. And so, you know, it's one of those things. And then he even scored in it. I mean, and a well-taken goal, I think. Uh, especially, he's right-footed. He took it on his left, kind of off-balance. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, I think is maybe splitting opinion with uh, the Dons fans, the Aberdeen uh, FC fans, but uh, I mean, I think they're wanting him to extend his loan uh, either way, and so I think that's, you know, kind of a, a, a situation where you see it, you know, a guy that, yes, he is, uh, you know, British as well, though, but you know, someone that has kind of cut their teeth in America because of through the MLS Super Draft and now is at Aberdeen FC on loan doing quite well in the Europa League as well. Not too bad. I mean, he's probably going to stay through the end of their season, which is May. I'd love him to come back and play for Atlanta United. I think Some he could absolutely depth, do a job absolutely. for us. He could maybe even start at right back, if we're being honest, yeah. if you needed him to. Mm -hmm. But I think also is that there's been a little bit of research there, but Aberdeen... Some Scottish people might get mad. They're probably the third biggest club in Scotland behind the old firm in Celtic and Rangers. Mm -hmm. They were the last team to actually win the Scottish Premiership before Rangers and Celtic have won for the last like 30 something years. And that was in the early 80s with Sir Alex Ferguson. I'm a bit biased because, well, we know what Fergie did with this lot. But they won, they were the first or second Scottish team to win a European trophy as well. They beat Real Madrid um, in the Cup Winners' Cup. They've played some big games in their history. They're a big club in Scotland. So it's it's a good tie to have. And mm -hmm. I guess if I'm going to watch a team in Scotland, I'll watch Aberdeen or something. I yeah, right. And uh, I think why are Aberdeen doing this? I mean, yeah, they're a story club. But why would they try to learn from a three-year-old club. Uh, well, I mean, I think they are a little bit fam financially in a little bit of straits. Uh, the owner kind of already like seeded uh, kind of a little bit of the, um, you know, running the whole, um, you know, program together. It's, he's just... Uh, yeah, Paul might be the chairman now. Exactly. And so it's one of those things where he uh, realizes that, you know, maybe there's some things that he can improve on. And we've done quite a hell of a job in making kind of our presence known in the world, I feel like, in, uh, in football. They're so. looking to build a new stadium in Aberdeen. Their prior right. stadium has been around for over 100 years. It's been the only stadium they've ever played in in contrast to a three-year-old stadium we play at the bins and so that combined with the marketing the merchandising and getting the whole community buying in and being able to raise your profits all that you know better practice kind of stuff is going to be shared yeah. between the clubs as well yeah so, so yeah quite uh I, I think it's good i think it's a uh, you know a lot of really good benefits can come from this uh staying in europe miguel almiron he got his first premier league assist Took and, long enough. Yeah, it took long enough. Unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, it's, here pretty much. Yeah, it's been a monkey on his back. It's kind of unfortunate, but I mean, it's. Uh, I think. I think a start of good things to come because he, you know, I think there are some Newcastle fans that really I think know that he does bring a lot to the pitch and to the uh, uh, to the team, but it is. Yeah, when you don't score or give assists, it is difficult to justify, of course, uh, the 
you know, kind of, uh, at least at the time, record transfer fee. And so, uh, you know, hopefully Miguel Miron really kicks on from this. And I think he can. I mean, he's just a guy that works his socks off. and uh, That's why they love him, because they know he puts yeah. in a shift every game, even if it doesn't come off for him. He still, you know, works his ass off for the shirt. And they definitely appreciate that in Newcastle. Exactly. But, uh, you know, so congrats to Miggy, finally, for getting off of that snide. But, uh, yeah, and so also um, just some housekeeping stuff as well. Check out our top five videos. We'll be coming out with more of those. The previous one will be linked up here in the card. It is the top five goals from 2019. Check it out if you haven't. But uh, moving on from that, then, it is buy or sell. And simply, we say if we buy or sell this and give our reasons why uh, for an Atlanta United topic. So first up is Julian Gressel will get a new improved contract before 2020 is over. Buy or sell? I'm going to buy because I think that, as DeBoer learned, three at the back is our best system. I think it gets the best out of the players that we have. I think it strikes the right balance. Um, he does, I think, maybe want to play with a four, but he started with a three and then it changed. But Atlanta won an MLS Cup playing three at the back. It won this U.S. Open Cup playing three at the back. It won the uh, Campionates Cup, I believe, playing three at the back as well. It just seems to be like the way that this club works. There's not a lot of teams that play well in terms of three at the back in Major League Soccer, so it's a different style. And I think that Julian Gressel is the best wing back at that position, I think, in Major League Soccer right now. And if that's the way that we're going to play, then he justifies getting a new contract. I think the biggest question about it is, is the CBA going to change or affect that at all? If it opens things up a little bit, I think that contract comes a lot sooner than later. If it doesn't, then it might take a little while, but we'll see. Yeah, um, man, I, I really want him to get a new contract. I'm going to sell that he gets a new contract. This is going to get a little contentious, I feel like. I, it's It hasn't been going well in the offseason. I don't know if it will improve, uh, but again, I hope so. But right now, signs are pointing to that... I don't know, CBA, CBA hasn't been signed. Uh, you know, Gressel is getting increasingly more frustrated. Uh, you know, we're signing players maybe that play his position as well a little bit. Maybe can't give the final ball as well as he does, but, man, you know, it is it's not looking the best situation. Okay, so next one is Ezekiel Barco will be a five-stripe after summer 2020 by herself. It's kind of like the reverse of what she just kind of said. It's like, I want him to be, but I feel like I feel like 2020 is going to be the year for Ezekiel Barco where he finally puts it all together. He doesn't have to go off and play in an international tournament. I think that the first half of the season is going to be his. I think he's going to play really, really well. I think he's going to be instrumental in how Atlanta plays in the Champions League. If he can get them to a Champions League title, then I think he's absolutely gone. But I think... In five months' time, I think he can show what he's made of, and I think that he's going to do enough to convince these teams in Europe to splash up the money for him. So I'm going to sell it. I think that Ezekiel Barker leaves in the summer of 2020. Yeah, um, I think it's this with a caveat. So I buy that he will be a five sharp after summer 2020. I know what you're about to say, but he will be. So he will be sold, but it will be on loan for the rest of the season. And then he will be making the move, I think, because, yeah, there might be a time where we just, uh, you know, to replace him, it's just very, very difficult, I feel like, uh, especially, we don't know how PT is going to settle in even further. Um, we will need kind of, you know, what he can create and what he can control in the game. And, you know, without him there, whew, we are in some trouble. 
keeping the ball. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I think that that's where it's going to be, I think, uh, if it did happen. So, uh, next up, Brooks Lennon will play more left back in 2020 than George Bello by or sell. I think it depends on what system Atlanta United play. Because I think if they play with a wing back, I could see Brooks Lennon playing more just because of his experience. Personally, I would rather Brooks Lennon play more at least at the beginning of the season because I'm still on the fence in terms of George Bello being a starter at the MLS level. He's still young, he is still developing. Yes, he is good, he's not Alfonso Davies good. I don't, no disrespect to George Bello, but I don't see him in a year stepping in and starting at Bayern Munich. Like he just doesn't, he's not that kind of yeah, And he also hasn't talent. proven himself and to he, that degree. He's played one game, or started one game really in the last year. And that was at Herediano and he didn't play at MLS the rest of the year. I think it's unfair to put all that expectation on him to assume that he's going to be the starting left back. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna set, or I'm gonna, I guess, buy that Brooks Lennon will play more left back this next coming season than. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that, yeah, I buy that Brooks Lennon is going to uh, play more left back, but I think it's really maybe early on in the season. It's maybe like the first half because George Bellow, yeah, uh, you know, he's still getting his bearings. He's still not quite where he wants to be quite yet. They pretty much were going to give him the, uh, you know, he was the heir apparent to, uh, to Greg Garza last, uh, in the beginning of last season. And, if he didn't get injured, maybe it would have been a completely different scenario. But, um, you know, I think he's pretty much, I think, shown in Atlanta 2 that he's ready. And so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, proving it at the MLS level. But still, I think it's, you know, in the first half of the season, Brooks Lennon, unless we bring in another left back. And that could happen, but this is early on in December, and so you know, you know, you can't uh, don't don't hold it against us for uh, for giving our opinion here right now. But uh, yeah, last buy or sell topic: Jeff Lorenowitz will be the 2020 Atlanta United captain. Buy or sell? Buy, Captain Larry. And yeah. Over to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said that earlier. Um, I think yeah, he's definitely got the best shout. Uh, I think he, he was penned by Michael Parkers to be the captain when he left, so it makes sense. Um, but it is always a little bit troublesome if you don't have your actual captain, captain on the pitch every single match. I mean, you know, you you can have the club captains, and then you have your. Uh, captain on the pitch, it would probably be Guzan at that point. But um, you know, I think it might be a little bit cleaner, you know, to have just the the out and out captain, and it could be like an LGP. But who knows how that Frank de Boer and LGP situation is at the moment either. It's going to be Larry. So you know, it's I think signs point more to that. I would put money on it. I would just say I would put money on it. So, uh, anyway, that does it for Buy or Sell and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Word Jerk. Are you worried that Inter-Miami will draw more South American talent than us? Uh, yes. I mean, it's Miami. The thing is, is that players can come to Atlanta, and at the end of the day, benefits you to learn English when you come to Atlanta you don't have to learn English if you live in Miami it's such a it's so rich in so many different Latin American cultures and also it's Miami it's warm year round you have a wonderful beach you have an international airport that can get you to home as well just like I mean you have that in Atlanta but still they have everything they could want in Miami the culture is going to be a lot more similar to what they're used to yeah I mean it is a concern it's their Miami trying to go for this big whole sexy this is Miami type thing but also at the same time they still don't have a coach so I'd be super worried if 
Marcelo Gallardo, for some reason, rocks up at Inter-Miami. Color me very concerned. But yeah, right now, I mean, it's just one of those things. They're going to draw more players because it's Miami. But also, it could be a Firefest FC. Who knows? They it don't have really a coach. Could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Marcelo Gallardo has said that recently he is probably going to stay at River. But, uh, you know, it, you know, there is going to be a large name at Inter-Miami, I feel like. Uh, that Eventually. is coming. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. If it's not the season, you know, maybe eventually. This is true. But um, am I worried? I mean, that's the thing. It's one of those, should we only shop in the South American market? No. Uh, so if they start getting South American players, I mean, well, we can shop some other places and try to find some, uh, you know, hidden gems. That's kind of, yeah, it's worked for not only, you know, some of the MLS clubs as well. But, I mean, you know, there's a lot of players all around the world that, I think deserve more than just looking in South America. So, um, yeah, it's not a huge, huge worry for me. Uh, next question comes from Philip Mosley. Will Lennon be our starting left back, or do you think Bella will be given the chance? Sorry, this kind of doubles up a little bit, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, starting up, you know, starting at left back maybe earlier on in the season, but I think uh, Bella will be eventually given the chance. He was the heir apparent. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Mondo J ninety nine. I don't know if that's a uh, kind of harken to the Mandalorian. Hashtag maybe? Baby Yoda. Hashtag Baby Yoda, man. Uh, all right. Anyway, but uh, do you think we can win the MLS title with FDB? Yes. You know, care to expand on that or just yes? I no? think we can. Okay. Just okay. yes. Yeah. Uh, I think we can. I mean, yeah. I think he's shown an ability to adjust. I think he's shown, um, you know, that he can play some swashbuckling football and also play some defensive football. I mean, yeah, there there is uh, something a little bit missing at the moment to get us over the top, but I think you can find it. I think if Miles Robinson didn't get injured last season, we would have won MLS Cup. It's very possible. That's all I'm saying. Very possible. Who knows? It's the kind of question of the year. But uh, Play a system that you beat everyone with him in two trophies and then have to change it because he's running wind sprints at 11 o'clock at night after a game he didn't play in, in the middle of October. Yeah. Thanks to Westman's national team is apparently in complete chaos right now according to an article that came out today. Hashtag not shocked. Did you breathe during that whole No, <laughs> I don't have to because I'm filled with hate for the Westman's national team and Westman's soccer because they run it like complete asshats. Fair enough. Uh, all right, so next question comes from Dom Yermian 20 Is it looking possible to get Miram back? I think it's possible, uh, but I think the addition of Brooks Lennon does make it a little bit less possible because um, Miram is 31. Uh, happy birthday to Justin Miram, by the way. Uh, but uh, it's really tough, I think, seeing you know what type of contract he would accept. Uh, also, you know if he's willing to be a little bit more of a bit part player. I think he's maybe willing to be, but... Uh, it really is just dependent on kind of, like I said, contract, playing time, um, you know, what he's willing to accept. So. Yeah, because his contract, he's not going to get what he was on because he was on quite a bit. He, he signed that big contract off of his really, really good performances for Columbus Crew. He's not going to get 600 plus K next season for Atlanta United. It'll be possibly even half of that. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to what he feels is best for him and his financial future. And if that's an offer in MLS from us or from abroad, he has to do his best for himself. I'd like to see him back here, but at the end of the day, he has to do his best for him. Right. I could see him playing, uh, yeah, in like 
cutter or something. Or yeah, like, like China. Yeah. I think you get along in China because yeah. you have to come on a free transfer there. And heck, for someone of his quality in the Chinese league, like mm-hmm. he can make a couple million quick bucks for a year, and it's nothing to the Chinese teams to pay him that. And then hey, you're set for life. So right, true. Yeah, who knows? Yep. Uh, so uh, next question comes from Shelton Muma. What is the likelihood of Tito moving if Gressel leaves the club? I don't think the two are tied together at all, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think if Gressel leaves, I think Tito's still just as likely to leave. Um, right now, I think Tito's your backup striker. Um, that's not his best role, but I think Tito also is a player that is good enough to be starting games, and I think that at his age, he wants to be playing and starting games. Ideally, you don't have him playing within MLS. You can get him to move abroad. And also, I think because of the convoluted MLS rules, if he moved abroad and then wanted to come back to MLS under the current CBA, unless it changed, we'd still have his rights because MLS is weird. But if he's to move, I'd like to see him move abroad, Um, whether that's back to Argentina. I don't know. The economy is not great there. Maybe Mexico. I don't know. But I I still think that that Tito is kind of a man that that needs a bit more than what he's getting from Atlanta United right now. Yeah, I agree with all you're saying. Um, Yeah, I mean, Tito, in terms of so in terms of the likelihood. um, Yeah, I mean, Tito very likely, I think, will leave. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, if a club comes and, you know, pays the transfer fee for him. Um, And, you know, because I don't think we would be willing to do a deal in MLS. And Gressel, if he leaves the club, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, I don't know. It, it could happen maybe if, uh, you know, the kind of grim kind of uh, outlook that I outlined earlier does happen. I mean, but. 2021, I think, is a scenario where both of those guys could very well not be playing for Atlantina. Yeah, yeah, I agree with there. Uh, so, last mailbag question. Junior Chef Kwani asks, what other positions do you think we need to get for a successful year? Okay, so <laughs> let's sit back. We need a center back. We need at least one central midfielder, assuming we make Emerson Heinemann um, a permanent. If we don't, then we need two central midfielders. I think we need at least one winger who can play on either side. I don't think it particularly matters. I still Is think Brooks Lennon that guy? Mm, I still think you need another fullback any, anyway, because you can't rely on Brooks Lennon to be your one backup position at three, four different positions. Mm-hmm. So you need another fullback, I think, and I think you need another winger mm-hmm. as well. So you, I think you need at least... Oh, and, and a, a backup, backup striker. striker. Yep. So I think you need at least six players at four different positions before right. next season starts. But I think the, the plus is that, and I agree with what you're saying, is that, um, yeah, the plus... Our starting 11 is still largely intact for the most part. And so it's just a matter of filling out the depth pieces uh, and kind of really making sure that that depth, if needed, uh, is good enough to start if they, you know, Did are I say pushing. center back? You did. Okay. You started off the center back. That, but, that's uh, like the most important, it, if I'm being honest. I think so, yeah, because if we're only going into the season with LGP and Miles Robinson. And George Campbell is backup, who's never played there before. Right. And, and possibly Franco Larry. Escobar. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Franco Yeah, but, you know, it's, I think, largely, it's them two that are the you know most experienced at those positions. It's, yeah, we need some more. So, um, yeah, and I think, you know, uh, fullback is just as important. Uh, but it's one of those, in MLS, it's not as prioritized for obvious reasons because, you know, you, know, you, you worry about your spine first. But, uh, it's one of those positions that, like, if the CBA opened things up more, the teams, in my opinion, that you would see winning the league would be teams that have elite fullbacks. Yeah. Because especially if you're sticking with a three-at-the-back system, if you have high-quality wingbacks that can contribute on both sides of the ball but attacking are very good, 
you can win leagues because that's what makes Antonio Conte's system so good is his wing backs are always, always attack-minded players that can get back and do the dirty work when they have to. And if you have those players, I mean, look at Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool went from being a good team, yes. Virgil van Dijk took them up as another. I hate that I keep talking about this, by the way. It <laughs> it's, it's like you're me. a Liverpool fan. I fucking hate Ooh. Liverpool, and they're going to win the Premier League this year, and it kills me. But give credit where credit's due. They've built a very strong team. They got Andy Robertson on the cheap. Trent Alexander-Arnold's a homegrown. That team really took another big step forward when they got both fullbacks on both sides being yep. able to contribute to the attacking phase. Yeah. If you have those, it gives you so much more because then it makes the opposing fullbacks go, who do I mark? Do I mm -hmm. mark the guys that are cutting inside the playmakers? Do I mark the fullbacks? You can push back the opposing team's wingers as well and really get them pinned in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's one of those things, but in MLS, you don't have the money to do that. You focus on your spine and up top and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's the plus side of that as well is when other MLS clubs don't have strong fullbacks and you have either a great attacking winger or a great attacking fullback or wingback, then you can really rinse Especially when you have guys like Joseph Martinez in the box who can basically do whatever you want if you get them a decent ball in from wide. Exactly. But anyway, that does it for the mailbag and pretty much the entire show except for the question of the day. Question of the day, guys, is pretty simple. Brooks Lennon is through the door, but who do you think or what do you think is the next position that Atlanta United signs this offseason? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys have to say. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.